everyone. Welcome to the True Path Podcast. I'm so glad you're joining us today. So today we are in session two of our study in 2 Peter, and we'll be discussing chapter 1, verses 10 through 15 today. So as you remember from last week, we learned how we, as Christians, can participate or share in Jesus' divine nature because of his wonderful promises to us. When we place our faith and trust in Jesus for salvation, we are promised to be a child and heir of God Almighty. And when we share in his divine nature, we seek to live like Jesus. He changes our focus and our desires. Instead of chasing after evil desires that corrupt us, we begin to desire godliness. And we also learned what a person who desires to be godly will look like. They will seek to grow in goodness, knowledge, self-control, endurance, and love. And Peter ended last week by saying in verse 9, the person who lacks these things is short-sighted and blind and has forgotten the cleansing from his past sins. So Peter emphasizes in today's passage, 2 Peter 1, 10 through 15, how important it is not to forget what Christ has done for us. So let's begin in verse 10, where he says, Therefore, brothers and sisters, make every effort to confirm your calling and election, because if you do these things, you will never stumble. For in this way, entry into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ will be richly provided for you. Therefore, I will always remind you about these things, even though you know them and are established in the truth you now have. I think it's right, as long as I am in this bodily tent, to wake you up with a reminder. Since I know that I will soon lay aside my tent, as our Lord Jesus Christ has indeed made clear to me. And I will also make every effort so that you are able to recall these things at any time after my departure. So, have you ever doubted your salvation? Maybe during a crisis or a particular challenging time in your life, you wondered if you were truly saved? Well, Peter gives us a way to put that question to rest. Verse 10 says, make every effort to confirm your calling and election. Now, 1 Corinthians 1.9, 1 Thessalonians 2.12, and 2 Timothy 1.9 all tell us what our calling is, what we've been elected to, and that is to be saved, to be in fellowship with Jesus, to share in his kingdom and glory, and called to a life of holiness. So confirming our calling and election simply means that if we are truly saved, then there should be ways to tell that we are. There should be confirmation. There should be evidence that we are saved followers of Jesus. Now, Jesus does the saving. I mean, we merely accept what Jesus has done for us. But when we accept Jesus' gift of salvation and place our faith and trust in him, a transformation begins in our lives. The Spirit of Jesus comes and takes up residence inside of us. And when Jesus comes to live inside of us, then that should bring about a change on the outside of us. As I said earlier, our salvation should bring about a desire to want to be more like Jesus. Our thoughts, attitudes, and desires become more about what he wants than what we want. Peter also says in verse 10, if you do these things, you will never stumble meaning if you do the things mentioned back in verses 5 and 6. Seek goodness, knowledge, self-control, endurance, godliness, and love. 
A Christian should seek to develop these characteristics because these are God's characteristics. So if we are striving to pattern our lives after Jesus by growing in these ways, it will give us the confidence and assurance that our salvation is real and sure. So again, if you want to know for sure if your salvation is real, then do some self-analysis. We must ask ourselves the question, what do we desire? To please God or ourselves? Are you motivated to grow in your faith? What evidence does your life show of your relationship with Jesus? And if you're someone who says, well, I believe Jesus died on the cross for my sins and I place my faith and trust in him for salvation, but I really don't see much evidence of my salvation in my outward life. Well, if you're someone who feels that way, then now's the time to change. Because quenching or stifling the Holy Spirit in our lives is a very dangerous thing. If we aren't growing in our faith and taking our relationship with the Lord seriously, then we are ripe for stumbling, getting tripped up, being misled by false teachings or taken in by the lies and hypocrisy of our culture. So let's make sure the genuineness of our faith is clearly demonstrated so there can be no doubt who we belong to. Because not only will growing in godliness ensure that we won't stumble in our walk, as it says in verse 11, our entry into Jesus' eternal kingdom will also be richly provided. In the NIV, it says you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Matthew Henry says those who are growing in grace and abounding in the work of the Lord shall have an abundant entrance into the joy of their Lord. You see, this is the beautiful thing about Jesus. He doesn't want us to wonder about whether or not we're going to heaven when we die. How many people do you know who have no idea what's going to happen to them when they die? They just hope the good they've done outweighs the bad so that they can make it into heaven. How sad is that? But Jesus says we can know for sure where we will spend eternity. We can live with confidence that if we have placed our faith and trust in Jesus as the Lord of our lives, then heaven is assured for us. And if we're seeking to grow in godliness by obeying his words, we will receive a rich welcome into heaven. And as verse 12 says, Therefore I will always remind you about these things, even though you know them and are established in the truth you now have. So Peter's reminding the readers about the importance of growing in godliness, even though they already know it and are practicing it. Now, why would he do that? I mean, why remind someone of something they already know? Well, because it's important and there are negative consequences if it's forgotten. In our house, Greg and I have this running joke about our garbage. Our garbage is picked up every Thursday morning. And so every Wednesday night, without fail, Greg takes the garbage can down to the end of our driveway. Even though Greg knows without a shadow of a doubt when the garbage comes and he's never failed to take it out, I still feel the need to remind him. I know that he already knows this, yet every Wednesday night, I still remind him. Now why? Well, because I worry about what will happen if he forgets. I have these visions of the garbage can overflowing with disgusting trash and us left with nowhere to put it. 
For me, the consequences of forgetting are severe enough to make me fearful of forgetting. And in this case, Peter already mentioned the consequences of forgetting. Back in verse 9, a person who forgets is short-sighted and blind. I certainly don't want my life characterized this way, do you? And Peter doesn't either. As a matter of fact, he's experienced the devastating consequences of forgetting Jesus' words. So he wants to ensure that we never do. And what's the best way to remember something? Repetition. And we're going to find that Peter repeats himself continuously in this book. Philippians 3.1 tells us that being reminded of the truth is a safeguard for us. And Peter knows that his readers, they're going to be tested soon by false teachers. And what's the best way to do well on a test? Well, to know the material well, to study hard. God wants these truths to be second nature to us. And let's be honest, I mean, are these truths really that hard to hear? Think about someone close to you, a family member or a spouse. Now, we already know that they love us, but how good does it feel when they say it? We know they're there for us, but how good is it? How does it strengthen us and comfort us to hear it from them? So how much more should it strengthen and comfort us to hear and be reminded of God's love for us? That Jesus' eternal kingdom is waiting for us. That he gives us all we need for life and godliness. These are blessed reminders that we should never grow tired of hearing. Because as Peter says in verses 13 and 14, I think it's right as long as I am in this bodily tent to wake you up with a reminder, since I know that I will soon lay aside my tent, as our Lord Jesus Christ has indeed made clear to me. And verse 15 says, And I will also make every effort so that you are able to recall these things at any time after my departure. So it's good for Peter to remind them, so that they will continue to remember even after he's gone. Now Peter describes his physical body as a tent. Paul also refers to our physical bodies as a tent in 2 Corinthians 5 too. From the Greek, it means dwelling place or lodging place. My commentary says the physical body is the dwelling place for the soul. So which do you think is more important, the tent or what's inside the tent? Paul compares in 2 Corinthians 5, 1-5, our physical bodies to our spiritual bodies. He says, we know that if our earthly tent we live in is destroyed, we have an eternal dwelling in heaven. We groan in this tent, desiring to put on our heavenly dwelling so that mortality may be swallowed up by life. So again, which is more important, our physical tent or dwelling or what's inside the tent? I think both Peter and Paul clearly answered that question. Yet so much attention is placed on the dwelling, our physical tents. So much so that the physical human body, I believe, has become like an idol to many. That bodily pleasure is all that matters in life. So if my body isn't making me happy, then I'm going to change it. As if changing our outward appearance will bring inner peace. But if our perspectives were accurate, then our focus would be on developing a happy soul, 
which can only come from a relationship with Jesus. Peter wants to instill this knowledge within us because he knows, as verse 14 tells us, he will soon lay aside his tent as the Lord Jesus Christ has made clear to him. So Peter knows he is not much longer on this earth. He will be laying aside the tent of his body soon. Now, scholars speculate that Peter could be referring back to John chapter 21, verses 18 and 19, when he says, as the Lord has made known to me. In John 21, Jesus tells Peter, truly, I tell you, when you grow old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will tie you and carry you where you don't want to go. He said this to indicate what kind of death Peter would glorify God. So knowing his life on this earth will soon be over, he's going to make every effort, it says in verse 15. So his readers can recall these things even after his departure. So this is Peter's legacy. This is what he wants to leave behind. Knowledge of the truths of the gospel. Now he knew that his words were divinely inspired by the Holy Spirit. Because 1 Peter 5.12 and 2 Peter 1.21 tells us so. But he probably didn't realize that countless numbers would be reading his words. He may not have known the impact on the world that his words would have. What do you think God wants your legacy to be? What would God want you to leave behind? What kind of example are we setting for those around us? What are our intentions? Why are we living our lives the way we are? You see, Peter saw no need to hold on to what he had. He saw no benefit in holding on to his life, his status, his money, his security. He sacrificed it all to follow Jesus. He's giving away his knowledge and making every effort to do so in order to build up the church. He invested himself into the kingdom of God. And look at the dividends. Look at the return on that investment. I'm sure if only one person came to salvation by following the gospel message presented by Peter, he would have been satisfied. But as it is, he continued preaching and teaching, even into old age. Yeah, Peter didn't believe gospel work had a retirement plan. He wanted to ensure that his readers would be able to recall these things at any time after his departure after his death. Interesting, he refers to his death as a departure. Paul also referred to his death as a departure in 2 Timothy 4.6. I think they recognized that death was not final. Death is merely a transition from one life to another. When our life on this earth ends, that is not the end of us. We merely depart from this earth to begin our new lives with Christ. I think there's comfort in thinking of death that way, if we are followers of Christ. If we have accepted the reality of our sinfulness and believe that Jesus paid the price on the cross that our sins deserve, and we've accepted Jesus as a Savior and Lord of our lives, then we can live with confidence and security that our death is nothing more than a departure from this life to the next. Knowing this should comfort us and inspire us to know Jesus and his words well. That was Peter's chief goal. 
That's why he says in verse 15, he wants his readers to be able to recall these things at any time after his departure. He wants us to know the words of Jesus so well that they would be imprinted on our hearts and minds. Now, I know we're all familiar with the concept of imprinting. I had an interesting experience of this in my own life. When I was a little girl, my parents bought me and my brother baby chicks for Easter. I adored my cute little fuzzy baby. I spent every waking moment playing with my little chick. And it didn't take long before my cute fuzzy little chick imprinted on me, meaning it was only quiet and content in my presence. When I put her in her cage and left the room, she would immediately start cheeping and peeping loudly and continuously until I was back in her presence. She seemed to feel insecure and uneasy if she was left alone for an extended period of time. It seemed like this cute little chick just couldn't get a handle on things without having me in her presence. Well, how do we feel when we aren't in the Lord's presence? Now, of course, God is everywhere and we are never not in his presence. But what I mean is, does it affect us to go days without spending time in his presence, in prayer and Bible reading? Does going without spending time with Jesus bother us? And if it doesn't, it should. Jesus wants us to know him and grow in knowledge and faithfulness so that if we go without spending time with him, we miss it just like we miss our friends and family when we don't spend time with them or talk to them. I think this is what Peter's getting at here, that we will take what we learn from his Holy Spirit-inspired words and run with it. Not only let it change our lives, but we will know them so well, we will proclaim these words to others. Because when we learn God's word and try to live out God's word every day, it will prevent us from stumbling in our faith being taken in by heretical teaching. And by sharing his word with others, we will prevent them from stumbling as well. So may we also be willing to make every effort to make God's word and his way known. May we not be afraid to remind our friends and family of the truth. And may we be open to hearing those reminders ourselves. And that's going to be our challenge this week to remind ourselves of what Jesus has done for us by going back and rereading 1 Peter chapter 1 and allow the Spirit to remind us of Jesus' steadfast love for us. Thank you so much for joining me today. God bless you.